Welcome to Ask the Expert. This is a brief and informative and lively discussion, we hope, with experts in type 1 diabetes and related interdisciplinary research. We're recording this event. We're going to post it on the Sugar Science site, uh, our YouTube channel, shortly after the presentation. And if you have any questions for our guest today is Dr. Roberto Malone, please uh, feel free to enter them in the chat or raise your hand at the end of the presentation. Um, so today we have our guest, Dr. Roberto uh, Malone, coming to us from France uh, in Paris. He actually Paris, Inserm in Paris. He's a team leader along with Silvani Yu at the Institute Cushion at Inserm. And his team is really focused on T-cell tolerance, biomarkers and therapies in type one diabetes. And he also has academic, he has both academic and clinical appointments. So as we were discussing earlier, that makes for a very packed schedule, I'm sure. He has a deep understanding of the immune cell landscape in type one diabetes. And he has just published a really deep dive, a very comprehensive and thorough review entitled uh, T-cell epitopes and neoepitopes in type 1 diabetes, a comprehensive update and reappraisal in diabetes uh, in July 2020. And this review questioned the, the current, you know, 10-year-old T-cell epitope catalogs and using uh, IEDB, which is the immune epitope database identifier, along with other tools, it really calls for the improved epitope uh, validation. So I was really impressed with this careful characterization and grading of both mouse and human epitopes and um, looked forward to, uh, you know, have him, I'm looking forward to having him uh, walk us through the paper. And he also has another sort of thought provoking paper along with Desio Isrick um, that came out in Diabetologia, October, 2020, which is presumption of innocence for beta cells. Why are they vulnerable autoimmune targets in type one diabetes? So I'm hoping that you can talk to us about both these really interesting reviews and your work. And so um, I'm just gonna let you take it away from here. Thank you, Monica, for the invitation and uh, the kind uh, introduction. I think it's a, it's a very interesting uh, exercise uh, today, and uh, I will try to walk through these uh, recent papers and uh, the, the view that uh, they open a bit uh, uh, revised about the pathogenesis of, uh, of type 1 diabetes. Today, the, the, the title that... Uh, I was given was uh, T-cell epitopes and neoepitopes in type 1 diabetes. And I think uh, the, the key message of this, uh, of this work I'm going to present is that uh, it's important to characterize epitopes. And I will, will not be speaking much about neoepitopes, but we can discuss later on, not only to increase our catalog and the possibility of monitoring the, the immunity of the disease, but also to gain some insights in the pathogenesis of type 1 diabetes. The, the, our key um, interest is in CD80 cells in type 1 diabetes. Why is that? Because when you look at pancreas from type 1 diabetic patients, there are two histopathological hallmarks. The first is the upregulation of HLA class 1 molecules. The second is uh, the immune infiltration that is uh, quite valuable, but is dominated by CD80 cells. And so this basically witnesses the crosstalk that is engaged between islet reactive CD80 cells and beta cells that present in the context of these upregulated HLA class one molecules, uh, antigens, and these are in the forms of peptides derived from the beta cell inside uh, for recognition by CD8 T cell. And this is what engages the T cell to actually kill the beta cell eventually 
through uh, cytotoxic mechanisms. And um, our observation uh, stemmed from this uh, paper that uh, we published back in 2018. Basically, we <coughs> took uh, blood samples from nuanced type 1 diabetes patients and healthy controls and isolated the peripheral blood mononuclear cells. We went to look at the uh, CD80 cells that were recognized as islet antigens using highly sensitive tetramerases. The reason is the, the surprising observation that we made is that you see here we focus on CD80 cells against the, uh, the antigens that have been known in type 1 diabetes for a long time. You see ZNT8, perproinsulin, GAD, IA2, IGRP. And you see that when you look at the frequency between type 1 diabetes in red and healthy donors, this frequency is actually not any different with one single exception, irrespective of the disease status. And uh, moreover, this frequency falls in a relatively narrow range. You see here that is, um, that is uh, uh, highlighted with this uh, gray band. And this narrow range actually it's due to the fact that when you look at the phenotype of these CD80 cells, actually you see that a large proportion of these T cells are actually naive, meaning that they are potentially autoreactive, but they have not really been engaged in the autoimmune process. So this was a quite striking observation. And the first thing we thought when looking at this data is that perhaps we were not studying the right islet antigens. Indeed, for decades, all investigators, including ourselves, have been focused on these antigens that have been characterized before, either as targets of human autoantibodies or in the NOD mouse. But we actually had no information about which of these antigens in the form of peptides are naturally processed and presented by human beta cells. So we devised a strategy in which beta cells that were exposed or not to inflammatory cytokines, mimicking the insulitis mediated type 1 diabetes, um, were uh, cultured. And then we purified these uh, HLA molecules carrying the peptides. You see that these peptides come from the inside, from the digestion of protein, especially misfolded one through the proteasome, and are then loaded on the surface of HLA class one molecules. And so then we eluted these peptides to identify them by mass spectrometry. And this is how we obtained this first cartography of the antigen exposed by beta cells. You see here uh, a snapshot of the source proteins of all the peptides we have identified in this work. And you see that there are a lot of the antigens already known, underlined here, chromogranin, insulin, this is IE2, GAD, ZNT8, although with a relative underrepresentation of, for example, GAD and ZNT8. But also we observed that there were a number of other antigens and especially that antigens that are derived from granule proteins were particularly represented. Uh, about one third of the peptides were actually derived from these proteins. Mm -hmm. This is not as surprising since the job of a beta cell is to make insulin. 
but it allowed us to also identify new antigens, particularly relevant, that I will speak about in a moment, such as secretogranin-5, urocortin-3, and proconvertase. However, when we looked then to see whether CD80 cells from type 1 diabetic patients and LT donors in the circulation were capable of recognizing these antigens, we got again the same answer as before. No difference, irrespective of disease status, and again, a frequency that was in the blood, again, in this uh, quite narrow uh, range. So based on this, uh, we proposed this uh, idea that there is a universal state of benign islet autoimmunity in all individuals. And this is based on the fact that these uh, circulating islet reactive CD80 cells in type 1 diabetes and LT donors display similar frequencies, similarly largely naive fractions, and something that I'm not showing you today, but if you isolate these T cells, you differentiate them in vitro into effector memory T cells. Actually, they are similarly capable of killing beta cells, irrespective of whether they come from a type 1 diabetic or a LT donor. So these uh, observations raise a number of questions, which are now the matter of our follow-up uh, work. And I think the most outstanding question is that basically the bottom message is we are all autoimmune. Then why we are not all diabetic? What, what is the difference between this benign islet autoimmunity and the progressive autoimmunity that we see in type 1 diabetes? There are different hypotheses we are considering. The first hypothesis that is a T-cell-centric hypothesis is that perhaps we all have this uh, autoimmune repertoire, but that the regulatory mechanisms that are at play in healthy individuals are more efficient than the ones at play in type 1 diabetic patients. And this uh, uh, fits uh, with the previous observation from ourselves and many others, that when you use a different uh, detection technique to identify these autoreactive T cells. This is a functional assay, an early spot, in which you put the T cells in contact with the peptides. If they recognize it, they secrete interferon gamma, you can count the spot. Well, you see that you can readily distinguish the uh, type 1 diabetic patients from the control groups. And this is probably because in this type of assay that is done on all PBMCs, the regulatory network that is at play is maintained in the, in, the, in the culture web. So we are now looking more in detail what these mechanisms could be. The second hypothesis is more provocative, and this relates also to this uh, review that uh, we wrote with the Desio Aziric in Diabetologia, is that perhaps the difference between staying healthy and getting type 1 diabetes is uh, in a whether the beta cell is more or less vulnerable to this autoimmune repertoire that we all harbor. And there are several lines of evidence suggesting the importance of this mechanism. The first is that um, when you look for these islet reactive CD80 cells, the same that we, have, that we have searched in the blood and that we have found at different at similar frequencies in type 1 diabetic and LT donors, you can done this. You can do this type of staining in situ with tetramers in the pancreas, and we do not see, we 
we, we, what we do not see in the blood, we see in the pancreas, meaning that these islet reactive CD8 cells are enriched in the pancreas of type 1 diabetic donor. So suggesting that there are some local factors promoting their homing to the pancreas target organ. The second observation is that <clears throat> the presentation of these antigens via the HLA class one molecules is increased when beta cells are exposed to inflammation. You see here the upregulation of HLA class one when you're exposed to cytokine, which have been known for many years. But this upregulation also results in a higher display of a larger number of uh, peptide antigens, meaning that this, the beta cell will become more visible to these uh, autoimmune T cells. The third observation is that we observe that among these new um, uh, antigens that we have identified as exposed by beta cells, some are actually quite recurrent. We have analyzed in the first place the most common variant of the HLA class one molecules, which is called HLA2, which is present in about 45% of uh, uh, Caucasian patients and 35% of uh, uh, African, uh, African uh, persons, a bit lower in, in, uh, in Asia. And you see that when you compare with what happens in, uh, for another uh, variant of HLA, HLA-A3, you see that there are several uh, targets in common. And also that these targets are shared even in the mouse that obviously use uh, murin HLA class one molecules, MHC class one molecules to do this presentation. So suggesting that these antigens are quite important in the pathogenesis. And indeed, this is experiments that we have done when you enrich the presence of these CD8 T cells by in vivo immunization in NOD mice, and then you take these CD8 T cells and you transfer them into empty immunodeficient mice, not skid mice, you see that they transfer disease very efficiently, similar to what is observed for a, a, a reference insulin peptide. And this diabetes is accompanied by destruction of beta cells in red, not anymore visible, and an infiltration of CD8 T cells. So the insulin granule is a rich source of epitose, but we also observe that not only those are all insulin proteins, but they also share several other features with insulin. They are soluble products that are produced as precursors. So there is a leader sequence that is cleaved in the endoplasmic reticulum, and also they undergo some intermediate processing, like for insulin to release the C-peptide, to release the bioactive molecules. And there is a, a very well-described impairment of pro-insulin processing in the islets of type 1 diabetic patients. And so our hypothesis is that this impairment may also impact these other antigens. So this impaired processing may actually divert the uh, digestion, the processing of these antigens towards the pathway of HLA class 1 presentation and does increase the visibility of the beta cells. So if we resume all these uh, with a cartoon, there are uh, islet reactive CD8 T cells circulating in all individuals. And this is due to a leaky uh, process of 
systemic deletion that uh, we have uh, also characterized along with others. However, it is only in the type 1 diabetic condition that these CD80 cells get activated and are able to migrate to the pancreas when we found them enriched indeed in the patients. So in this scenario, this switch from benign autoimmunity to type 1 diabetes may be critically dependent on two mechanisms, not mutually exclusive and probably of different weight according to age of onset. The first are these T cell mechanisms, the loss of immune regulation that may be more important in younger patients. And the second is this mechanism related to beta cell and to its visibility to these uh, autoreactive T cells. And this may be more important in older um, uh, onset patients. And this is something that we have presented more in detail in these back-to-back uh, uh, -back reviews published recently in uh, Diabetology. And understanding this which from benign autoimmunity to type 1 diabetes may be key for developing biomarkers of disease progression. You see here the classical uh, natural history of type 1 diabetes. So there may be a gradient from more or less benign to more or less progressive violent autoimmunity throughout this natural history. But also at the clinical stage, this uh, uh, more or less uh, progressive autoimmunity may give reason of different phenotypes related to age, but also these some um, slow type 1 diabetes cases that we frequently observe in the clinic. This is the people in the lab that uh, has done the work and our multiple collaborators on this work and uh, and our sponsors. This is th this is fascinating. Thank you so much, uh, Roberto, for sharing this. Um, you have a large network of um, individuals all contributing to this uh, to this work. So that's pretty amazing. Um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about you know. So what what are you doing? I guess in terms of uh, furthering the cataloging of the the HLA epitopes. Yes, what we are doing right now uh, is uh, two things. The first is that uh, um, we are looking at uh, techniques to isolate these peptide HLA complexes from beta cells that have more in-depth uh, uh, characterization capabilities. And this is work that we are doing in collaboration with uh, Nicola Ternet in, uh, in Oxford, who is an expert in HLA peptidomics. Uh, the second thing that uh, we didn't talk about today is all the issue about uh, neoantigens. What are these neoantigens? Are antigens that uh, derive from proteins in the form of peptides like the others, but they are not templated in the genome. Why is that? Because they can either derive from a post-translational modification of proteins, the addition of chemical groups, for example, the citrullination that is very well described in rheumatoid arthritis, or also with this other mechanism, uh, there may be some peptide fragments that fuse together in unexpected ways to give rise to some chimeric uh, sequences that are very difficult to identify, but may be more prone to break the immune tolerance because they are not in, templated in the genome. So the immune system regards them as foreign rather than self. And 
there's been a lot of talk also about the fact that, you know, mice are so different than humans, but I mean, from this work here, you, you did show a lot of the overlap with your Venn diagram there. I mean, how would you, you know, sort of further explore that? Yes. Now the, 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 the things we are doing in that direction is to characterize these T cells that recognize these granular antigens in the NOD mouse. Why is that important? Because we have better access to the, to the pancreas and other organs to see how this works, but also because this can give us other uh, evidence about their pathogenic relevance. For example, we are trying to identify the antigen receptor by which these T cells recognize these, uh, these uh, antigens. And the idea is to then make transgenic mice in which all of a part of these T cells recognize these antigens to see if these mice develop accelerated diabetes compared to others, which would give another, another evidence for the pathogenic role of these, uh, of these, uh, of these T cells. And I guess I would, um, I'm going to ask one question, then I'm going to open it up to the audience, but I wondered, um, what, is your, what are your thoughts on modification of the TCR in, in those that, um, I guess, that have one maybe autoantigen? And then what are your thoughts about potentially modifying the TCR in those individuals? Is it possible? I mean, just sort of speculative. I think, is it possible in the sense that uh, it uh, will uh, likely be impossible to modify all the TCR repertoire to divert the whole autoimmune response? But uh, this can be used to increase the organ specificity and the homing of T regulatory cells, like uh, many investigators are doing. They're trying to produce uh, T-regs, CAR T-regs, that are reprogrammed to uh, recognize uh, islet antigens, and this should increase their homing to the pancreas and their activation once, uh, once they get there. So I think that's... Uh, that's a quite a promising avenue to explore. And um, that's also where these uh, epitope discovery efforts can be important because they increase uh, the options that we have for this, type, uh, for this type of approaches. Great. <clears throat> we have a question from um, the audience, uh, Nearoleti. What are your thoughts on HLA class two expression in T1D beta cells? <laughs> Are you planning to perform, uh, perform peptidomics of class two as well? Yes, this is um, a, an interesting question because there has been um, uh, reports about this uh, these expression. And uh, indeed, uh, this expression is, uh, is there, can be detected. Um, whether this is capable of uh, uh, activating uh, T cells, so would be CD4 T cells, is, um, is more questionable because on, on one side, I mean, questionable, on one side, they would need co-stimulation to get this activation, but on the other side, if they get to the islets, you may expect that most of these cells are not naive anymore. They've already been activated probably in pancreatic lymph nodes. They have already some effector memory, memory phenotype, and so maybe less dependent on co-stimulation. So this is, uh, this is something that, uh, that um, 
it will be interesting to, to, to explore. The other point is uh, what is the amount of the of this uh, HLA uh, presentation uh, of the antigen presentation that can be achieved by the low level of class two expression that is uh, that is on the beta cells. And just to sort of extend that, with the this is like a deputization, right, of the beta cells to to act uh, to express the the HLA class two, and it's transient. It's not just always going on. I mean, is it virally induced or? Yeah, it's not always going on. Is uh, very likely induced by inflammation or viral infection, and the inflammation that ensues. Uh, this is true also for the class one to a large extent. There is not much HLA class one expression in uh, in beta cells in the basal state, but it gets quite uh, gets much higher in uh, inflammatory conditions, and this is the case for a number of other uh, cells in in different tissues. So you really need to get catch a snapshot of what's happening right at sort of this uh, point of inflammation. Yeah, this is this is the other difficulty of 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 why um, tracing a natural history of disease with uh, histopathological studies like uh, the fantastic progress that Empod and other networks have allowed us to do. It is still difficult to do this because maybe it's uh, it's not a continuous phenomenon, but it's uh, it's a flare and relapse type of, of process where you need to be lucky to get the, the snapshot at the right moment and it may not tell you all the story. So I, yeah. I think and and uh, you know that's reminiscent of, of many of these other sort of cousin diseases, right? The RA and MS, etc. I wonder if anyone else has another question. Sure. I have a question. Uh, Roberto, thank you for that overview. That was really helpful. Um, my question is, um, if you compare some of these HLA class one epitopes that you presented um, and something like Eurocortin-3, for example, is about a thousand fold less abundant than insulin. Um, how does that factor into your thinking as to which ones of these are more important and particularly early on in the disease when, when, when autoimmunity gets, fails to, get, to remain suppressed or gets triggered? Yeah, I think the abundance of the peptide is not always proportional to its importance. Eurocortin is a good example. And by the way, as you know, it's also in alpha cells. The other example on this, on the mouse side, is IGRP. There has been uh, a lot of work suggesting that this IGRP uh, uh, reactivity is quite, is quite important. In, uh, in mice, uh, yet when you do these MHC peptidomic studies in islets from NOD mice, you barely see any IGRP peptide. So um, the abundance is, is, is a factor that favors the, the activation of, of, the, of the T cells and the vulnerability, but uh, Probably there are also other factors. What are the natural uh, biases of the T-cell repertoire in a given individual against one antigen or the other? And the other point is, is there a cross-reactivity maybe of some T-cells that are 
poised to do something else. For example, there are viral reactive T cells, and they happen to also recognize some, uh, some self antigens in the, in the beta cells. So the abundance is not, is not, uh, is not the whole story. The other point is the, is the processing. Uh, Eurocortin certainly is, is much less abundant, but it has this very peculiar processing similar to insulin, which may actually favor its export through the HLA under uh, some stress conditions. Here's a great question from Matthias von Harreth. Um, what about innervation as a key factor in this unmasking process of the beta cells to the immune system? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, very good question. Um, the innervation is uh, uh, something that uh, not much known, and I'm, I'm not very familiar with this, this literature. I have uh, I have to say myself, but uh, it is possible also that uh, what we can call the paracrine factors in the end that are, that are released through innervation can also change the, the HLA expression. This we don't know to my knowledge and also may change the metabolic uh, uh, programming of the beta cells to modify the pulse, they may also modify indirectly the peptide display that these, that these beta cells uh, um, give to the immune system. Yeah, that's it's very interesting. We recently spoke to uh, Zach Freiberg. Uh, he's an MD, PhD at University of Pittsburgh, and he was discussing sort of the dopin, uh, dopaminergic uh, input on uh, beta cells and alpha cells and the resulting dysfunction that can occur in that context, right? Mm -hmm. And so then if some, if, you know, beta cells become turned off for, you know, some kind of insult with the dopamine, alpha cells are now secrete, continuing to secrete their product, right? And so then you're getting a high glucose that's toxic to beta cells. Now you're starting to really get into a, into a, a problem um, in the landscape there. And then maybe the immune system's called in to sort of mop up some of that the problem. So it, it is, it's a complex question when you start talking about the innervation, but I think it's something that does need to be discussed more often. And I know yeah. that um, the Von Harreth group, as well as uh, Philippe Blanc-Clos group down in, in France also yeah. have, have, have yeah. uh, explored this. Um, I'm just going to say thank you very much, uh, Roberta. We hope um, to hear from you again, and we're looking forward to speaking with the Desio Zurich next week, just sort of, uh, you know, appreciate all the work you've done, the fine work of, uh, you know, really digging into the characterization of these epitopes. It's something that probably needs to have been done uh, for a while now. And it's great that you're actually attempting it and doing it properly. So thank you very much for all your, your excellent you. work. And it was great speaking the, with you. Thanks for the encouragement. Thanks for the invitation and good discussion.